the end of the day, the number of movies in theaters is the best indicator of how well the box office is going to do in a given year. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Thursday, January 4th. Today, I'm joined by Matt Bellany with his take on the solid box office numbers we saw over the holidays, anchored by the breakout hit Wonka. But will the Hollywood momentum carry over into 2024? Matt isn't so sure. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad Bed Cooling System is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for Powers That Be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life happy thursday everybody welcome to the powers that be i have a very special guest on today's podcast matt bellany and i say special because i am very anxious to talk to matt about the holiday box office matt welcome to the show did you see any movies in theaters over the holidays uh, Happy New Year to you. And the answer to that is actually no, I did not. I watched The Holdovers. I like The Holdovers. I, really I watched enjoyed. it at home too. Did you like it? I did. I thought it was fantastic, yeah. actually. I, I thought Paul Giamatti was amazing. I thought everybody in the cast was great. Uh, but I actually did not go to the theater. We were in New York and then visiting family in South Carolina. Um, did not make it to the theater. But I had seen so many of these movies. Right before the break that I sort of needed a break from the movies. <laughs> Industry insiders like you get to see movies ahead of time. Um, so according to Scott Mendelson, our colleague at Puck, Wonka was the main hit uh, over the holidays. I, I think they, over the four-day holiday weekend, they grossed like 
30 million dollars for that but i mean four day holiday weekend is probably too small of a band to put around holiday box office because people spend you know a whole week going to movies um oh yeah i mean the 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 consensus is that during the christmas corridor every day is a saturday yes so you can rack up some pretty impressive grosses over that two-week period. And that's why the studios throw everything they've got into that corridor. And we had some pretty big hits and misses. The surprise, I think, for a lot of people, including myself, is how well Wonka mm-hmm. is doing. Um, I was down on this movie, as we have talked about on the show in the past. Uh, I didn't think that Timothy Chalamet could open this kind of movie, and I was totally proven wrong. It said about $400 million worldwide, and it was cleaning up in a way that Aquaman 2 did not. Aquaman 2 is at about 250 worldwide on a budget well over $200 million. The first Aquaman grossed over a billion dollars. This one is going to be lucky if it gets to like three, four hundred million. So big fail there for Warner Brothers. Um, they are done with this incarnation of the DC universe. They're trying to move on. They're going to reboot in 2025 with a new Superman movie, but a pretty horrible 2023 for the DC universe. Uh, and then there were a bunch of smaller movies that actually performed well. There was an animated kids film called Migration from Illumination. Mm-hmm. That's doing okay. Uh, There was a Clooney movie that I was baffled is actually doing okay. Uh, It's got no stars. It's about rowing. Boys in the boat. And it's at about (laughs) the boys in the boat. It's at about it's at about twenty five million, which I think is more than most people expected. The Zac Efron wrestling movie, The Iron Claw, is doing okay at about twenty million. Um, There's a couple of others as well that are you know the the Sydney Sweeney Glenn Powell rom com. Anyone but you got to about 25 million during the holidays mm. as well. Actually, I think it's up to about 30 now. And, you know, that's more that, you know, most people thought that this movie would go directly to streaming. And it was sort of a weird thing to release it over the holidays. It seems like, you know, if you're going to put it in theaters, do it over Valentine's weekend. But Sony chose not to, and it's doing okay. We'll see how long it'll go. But overall, the, the box office for the holidays was up. Over 2022, which I think is a surprise. The domestic box office for the year got to $9 billion, And that is the highest gross of the post-pandemic era. But it's still about 20% lower than the pre-pandemic era. So the box office has definitely not come back from pre-pandemic times. But it inched forward this year. Uh, that makes me happy. So we went to... I was in Richmond with Katie and, and spending the holidays with, with my family there. And we were in that Christmas corridor lane. We went to see Wonka at movie land in Richmond, right off of broad street the day after Christmas. And the parking lot was full. Uh, and you know, the, I was like, Oh man, this has to be like one of the biggest movie days of the year. Like you said, every day is a Saturday during that week. But one thing I was like pleasantly surprised by was walking into the theater and looking up at the marquee, and two things jumped out at me. One, the volume of movies that were listed at this theater, and they have a bunch of screens at this movie land. I didn't even mention Color yeah, Purple, Color Purple. Which opened to $18 million on Christmas Day. It softened a little bit after right. that, but it's doing fine. Right, so the Color Purple, Anyone But You, Boys on a Boat, Wonka, Iron Claw, all these movies were up there, Migration. And I was like, oh, that's a big variety of movies that aren't just 
superhero movies and, you know, animated movies or horror movies. And I'm like, that, that feels good. A big variety. And then two, yeah, like there were people there. There were butts and seats. And, you know, at least in the, at least in the Wonka <laughs> theater we were in, it was, again, like a kind of a consensus holiday movie. Like you can take your whole family, people of all ages. There were a lot of there was like a bunch of adult jokes in there that worked, you know, and stuff for the kids, obviously. And it was good. It was a good movie, you know? It was like a good way to like spend one of the days after Christmas. And it just felt somewhat like a pre-pandemic back to normal. And I was personally normal. rooting for the the lack of Marvel and DC movies <laughs> up there. So I'm curious. Well, there was a DC movie. There was a DC movie that nobody was seeing in Aquaman. But you're right. Disney did sit out the holidays this year, which is pretty unusual. They've been very active. Last year they had Avatar and obviously pre-pandemic, they would usually release a, a Marvel or a Star Wars over the holidays. You know, also Paramount didn't have a movie over the holidays, but pretty much everyone else did. And, uh, you know, that's what the theaters need. I mean, it is, we, we now know what drives box office. It's volume. The theaters need a certain amount of movies in theaters. Scott Mendelson at Pug, mm-hmm. um, he's a new contributor writing about box office. He did an interesting piece this past week about looking at the just number of releases. And the reason why the box office got to where it did this year was because the number of releases came up. And that's, it's pure math. Like you can have hits and misses and bombs and disappointments and surprises and things that come out of nowhere, like Sound of Freedom or Barbenheimer. But the end of the day, the number of movies in theaters was, is the best indicator of how well the box office is going to do in a given year. Also credit to Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell for all of the sexual tension that played out in real time during the filming of that movie on social media bringing Gen Z out to just see what their chemistry is like on screen. I'm sure that contributed it, a little really bit. It really is. <laughs> that was the that was the press tour that would not end. It was interrupted by the strike and then it restarted again, so it felt like it was going on for a year and a half. <laughs> oh man, so good. So Matt, the holiday numbers were pretty good, but uh, after the break I want to ask you your thoughts on box office revenue in the year 2024. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be. netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. 
Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Welcome back to the Powers That Be, everybody. I'm talking box office with Matt Bellany. What else? Matt, we talked about the Christmas Corridor. Lots of good indicators there, I think, but we were chatting before coming on. What What is 2024 going to look like? I mean, are we going to see a lot of volume in, in theaters? Uh, did the did the strike slow things down? What, what are we thinking? The, the short answer is no, we're not going to see volume. And that's a real problem for both the Hollywood studios and for most importantly, the theaters, because these strikes have been really debilitating so far. I mean, we saw movies that were pushed out of 2023, like Dune 2 and the Ghostbusters sequel. And there's a Zendaya movie that was pushed into April, but now we're getting into January and February and it is looking bleak in theaters. There's a Mean Girls musical adaptation that's coming uh, in a couple weeks. That's like the big movie of January. A couple horror movies. There's a Jason Statham action movie. Not a lot going on. And then even in February, where we typically see some of the bigger budget plays happen, you know, there's a uh, Marvel light movie called Madam Web. It's not MCU. It's like uh, the Sony Marvel starring Dakota Johnson and Sidney Sweeney. That's not looking like it's going to light the box office on fire. There, there's a Bob Marley biopic that oh, could do yeah. okay in February. But, but, but basically, there's not a real Hollywood tentpole style movie until March with Dune Part 2. Mm-hmm. And then there's a Kung Fu Panda movie and a couple others that I think could kind of be more traditional in their, uh, in their returns worldwide. But... This is the story all year. There are not as many, other than Despicable Me 4, which is coming out in the summer, there's not a movie that you look at on paper and say, oh, this is going to make a billion dollars. And that is potentially very problematic. I don't think the box office is even going to get to $8 billion domestic this next year. And it got to 9 this year. But is that because of the strikes and the backups resulting from that? 
Yes, there's a number of movies that were supposed to come out in 2024 that are not. The big one is the Mission Impossible mm. movie. There was supposed to be Dead Reckoning Part 2 was supposed to come out uh, this this year, and that has been pushed to 2025. There's a Marvel Captain America movie that was pushed. There's a Pixar movie called Elio that was pushed to next year. There's a Snow White remake oh. with Rachel Zegler that was pushed to next year. So these are all the kinds of movies that would potentially gross in the 500 to a billion range. And when you take those out of the equation, they start to add up. Now, obviously, at the beginning of 2023, nobody would have predicted the Barbenheimer phenomenon and that those movies would get to 1.4 billion and 950 million, respectively. Mm -hmm. But barring some kind of phenomenon like that, on paper, this next year does not look very promising. Yeah, I've sort of noticed this too. Correct me if I'm wrong. On streaming, just like just shows. Like every time I've been turning on one of the platforms in, in the last month, even there just feels like there's not a lot of new stuff coming out. And so I, I, I'm curious if that's also the that's reason. the strike. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that's the strike. These next couple months are going to be pretty bare. And then there's things like the new True Detective on HBO with Jodie yep. Foster, which was supposed to come out in the fall, but was pushed to January because they needed something to fill the hole for the strike. Mm-hmm. So it's it's had a lot of effects on the schedule across the board. But it's beyond that, I think, for movies. Without some of these other big movies in the mix, there, there's a lot of titles this year that are franchises, but are sort of like B-plus franchises rather than the A-level franchises we saw last year. Like last year we saw a Fast and Furious, an Indiana Jones, a Mission Impossible. You know, those are the kinds of of movies that going into the year, they were hugely expensive. People would have thought those were the A-level franchise. Now, a lot of those underperformed their expectations, but this year there's like, there's Gladiator 2. Is that a franchise? Like Paul Mescal and Denzel Washington in Gladiator movie? There's Beetlejuice 2 with Michael Keaton coming back and Jenna Ortega taking on this sort of Winona Ryder role. There's a Twisters movie, a sequel to Twister with Glenn Powell. (laughs) These are not like... I know you're laughing. These are not like your A-list level franchise. Now, Despicable Me, absolutely. That could that movie could get to a billion dollars. There is a Lion King prequel called Mufasa that Barry Jenkins directed oh, yeah. that's coming out at the end of the year. And like the first, you know, the most recent Lion King remake did like 1.5 billion worldwide. So this movie probably should do pretty well. There's a Wicked movie at the end of the year, which should do very well, but not a guarantee if that, you know, that movie could be four quadrant, men, women, old, young. It could be two quadrant, women, old, young. So we don't know what that's going to be. But throughout the year, there's, you know, there's there's not a John Wick movie. There's a John Wick spinoff starring Ana de Armas. So like there's you know there's a lot of these question marks around these franchise movies where we don't quite know if they're going to work on the level that uh, the expectations for previous years franchises might have had. Matt, you of course host another podcast called The Town that everyone should be listening to, uh, and on today's episode actually uh, you have a little bit of gossip and predictions about the Golden Globes, which are this. Weekend, in case you forgot that award shows still exist. Um, Matt, what's the gossip around Hollywood around, you know, who's going to win some of these things? I mean, I feel like the only sure shot uh, I can name is I'm just Ken from the Barbie movie winning best song. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sure thing. 
yeah, I think everyone wants Ryan Gosling to perform at the Oscars, but that song has to get nominated first. It was shortlisted for the Oscars and it's nominated for the Globes, but they don't do performances on the Globes. Typically, maybe they'd make an exception for him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the you know the thing with the Globes that's interesting is that the big showdown this year is Barbie versus Oppenheimer. And at the Globes, they are in different categories because the Globes split everything in comedy, musical, and drama. So Oppenheimer is up against, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon and like some of these more serious movies. But the big showdown between Barbie and Oppenheimer is going to have to wait for the Oscars. Um, you know, the, the, Glo- the Globes are what they are. Like the big business narrative this year is that they are back on Sunday night. They have an NFL lead in. They're moving from NBC to CBS because NBC did not want to pick up the show after the scandals that the Globes have had with some of their practices called out and the lack of diversity amongst their membership. Um, and CBS took a shot with them. Now, NBC is airing Sunday Night Football opposite the Globes. Oh. So the question is whether the ratings for the Globes are going to go up from the 6.3 million people that tuned in last year, which was the all-time low. But that show was on a Tuesday when most people don't think about watching award shows. Having it on a Sunday on a network like CBS with Paramount Plus as the streamer and you know the the more typical globes viewing experience i think the ratings are going to go up this year and the goal is to get a long term deal that will ensure the globes will be on television or on streaming for a long time because remember in 2022 they were kicked off the air the globes did not air in 2022 because of their recent scandals so i think now the, this is the year that the globes are kind of back i i call it a contract year like an athlete where they're really trying to overperform this year to try to get a long-term deal. We'll see if they do. That's also a big game on Sunday night. Bills-Dolphins. Exactly. Yeah, the Bills-Dolphins. Normally, the Week 18 games are like nothing. Yeah. You know, Most people don't even – most of the big players don't play because the playoffs are decided. But this is a, a you know, win-or-go-home game, and it's out, up against the Globes. Uh, different audiences. You know, It's not, not quite the same audiences. Globes much more female. Mm-hmm. But I think they'd be happy. CBS would be happy if it gets to like eight, nine million viewers opposite football. That's not bad for them. Matt, thanks so much, man. Happy New Year. You too. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.